welcome to episode 24 of Beyond the Desk, a podcast of West Alice Public Library. I'm Desiree, and joining me today is Katie. In this episode, we'll talk about some of our favorite love stories and give some reading suggestions. Hi, I'm Desiree. And I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about love stories. So I want to talk about a series by Leah Riley. It is called the Hellions Angels series, and it features the Denver Hellions hockey team. Denver's real professional hockey team is apparently called the Colorado Avalanche, which I did not know, but I looked up out of curiosity. You could be lying to me and I didn't shake my head. (laughs) So this is a trilogy. The first in the series came out in 2017, and it is called Mr. Hockey. And Katie, you actually suggested this book to me. So you read this book when it came out? Yes, I'm a sucker for a book that has a librarian in it. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I believe I was ordering paperback romance for the library. So books like this would just catch my attention. But I'll let you describe it because it's a phenomenal book. (laughs) Agreed. So Breezy Angel is our protagonist, and she is a children's librarian who comes from a family of hockey mega fans, and they call themselves the Hellions Angels. And Breezy is probably the biggest fan of them all, and she has been obsessed with Jed West, the captain of the Hellions, for as long as he's been on the team. So the book opens with Breezy's sister, Neve, who is a sports reporter, and she is interviewing Jed West at a local restaurant. Neve receives a panicked call from Breezy at the library. Tor Gunner, the Hellions coach, was supposed to do a literacy event at the library, but had to cancel last minute and Breezy wants Neve to fill in. But Neve has a better idea. She asks Jed West to do the event, and because Jed is a genuinely all-around nice guy, he agrees. So cut to Breezy at the library, struggling to squeeze into her super reader costume, which for some reason I initially envisioned (laughs) to be a very hungry caterpillar costume but what is probably actually just a standard superhero costume. I thought it was, okay, and maybe it was the super reader, like, you know, Milwaukee's lion. I totally pictured that. So we both pictured animals. I pictured an animal, yeah. Yeah. So Breezy manages to get the costume zipped up just as Neve and Jed arrive. Breezy is shocked to be face-to-face with her ultimate crush, but is able to uh, play it professionally and the event goes smoothly, that is until Breezy very publicly rips the super reader costume, exposing her bare butt cheeks to none other than Jed West. Jed comes to the rescue by quickly wrapping his jacket around her, and Breezy, who is mortified, takes off, heading straight to the parking lot and then home. And Jed follows soon after because his wallet is in his jacket pocket. And when Breezy sees Jed West standing on her front porch, she goes into panic mode and quickly hides all of her Jed West paraphernalia in her closet, which I believe includes a cutout of Jed West. Vividly remember that. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of where things take off. Breezy discovers that Jed West is not an average guy, but she's able to see the man and see beyond just her idealized version of him. He's kind, he's handy, he's funny. Doesn't he like fix stuff around her house? He does. She has a leak in her bedroom ceiling and he goes to work fixing that up for her. She plays like she's not a huge hockey fan. She's, I guess, 
not embarrassed, but like doesn't want to creep him out. So she really downplays her fandom. But she is like obsessed with him. <clears throat> but she is obsessed and knows everything about him. And so it continues on from there. And what I love about this book is Breezy. She is so funny. Also, the characters are nicely complex. This is also quite high on the spicy scale. Yes, it's short, but it packs a punch. Yes, highly recommend. The next book in this series is called Head Coach, and that is about the coach, Tor Gunner. He is portrayed as an icy Scandinavian type, kind of the strong and silent type. And then Neve Angel, Breezy's sister. So Neve and Tor have a very tense and often antagonistic professional relationship. When Neve accompanies Breezy and their friend Margot to their favorite bar to meet up with Jed, Neve isn't thrilled to see Tor Gunner there as well. But seeing Tor socially is different than Neve thought it would be. And after she throws a game of air hockey that she and Tor made a bet on, she agrees to his terms to accompany him to his ex-wife's upcoming wedding. He originally was going to go with his sister, but she injured herself in a rock climbing incident. So it's kind of like a weekend getaway destination wedding. And as Tor and Neve get to know each other, they realize that the animosity that has always been between them may have been rooted more in desire than hate. But their budding romance is complicated by their careers and prickly personalities. And what I liked about this book is that Neve and Tor are kind of similar in that they're both guarded and kind of angsty. So I enjoyed reading their inner thoughts as they slowly open up to one another. And Neve wasn't quite as funny to me as Breezy, but I liked her sarcasm and sass and I, I was invested in her happiness. It sounds like the Mighty Ducks fan fiction, but <laughs> so grown-up fans of the Mighty Ducks, check this one out. Yes. And then last but not least in the series is Virgin Territory. Now this is about Patrick Donnelly, the goalie for the Hellions, and Margot Kowalski, friend of Neve and Breezy. So Patch, which is Patrick's nickname, is an amazing goalie with an explosive temper. His outbursts on the ice are bad, but when an incident at a bar results in Patch dislocating the shoulder of a local personal injury lawyer, Patch is really in trouble. Tor tells Patch that he will keep him on his goalie if and only if he agrees to meet with Margot, who is a yoga instructor. And the idea is that Margot can teach Patch some techniques that will help him to manage his temper and keep calm both on the ice and off. So a highly skeptical and super uncomfortable Patch shows up at Margot's door as instructed, but what should be a straightforward session is complicated by their surprising attraction to one another. Surprising because Patch assumed Margot would be some hippie space case, which she is not, and Margot doesn't date redheads, which Patch is. But before things can get hot and heavy between them, Patch reveals a close-kept secret. He is a virgin. I was hoping there would be more build up and yearning it's kind of like by the way i have this big secret i'm a virgin it just hasn't happened yet and then they hook up pretty quickly i did like the book still because patch is a tortured soul also the fact that he was in seminary school before okay. becoming a hockey okay, player okay yes so there are 
reasons he hasn't slept with any women. One, yeah, some of his life was spent in seminary school to become a priest. Yes, okay. And then when he was younger, he was just kind of shy. I was hoping that there would be more of like a forbidden romance feel to it. Yeah. And I also liked Margot. Margot is a woman who has dated a lot of men, and people haven't always been kind to her about that fact. So I liked how resilient she was and her sense of self-worth in the face of judgment. And she was also very kind toward others. It sounds fun, at least. I mean, honestly, I think Mr. Hockey is the best. Yeah. They were all short, sweet, spicy. I would recommend them. Yeah, I mean, I clearly talked to you about it. And I think for me, and this was actually the book, one of the books I've read that made me realize, especially when it comes to romance, we kind of jumped into this. But like when it comes to reading romance, I would as like the first person, especially in college and like as a new adult that was like, I'm only going to read like literary stuff. And that got really hard. At the time I was a children's librarian, if some of these books are going to start to make more sense now. I was a children's librarian, so I was reading a lot of kids books. So I think mentally I was like, I can't read romance. But I was actually at, it was either ALA or PLA, and I had tickets to go to the vendors in Chicago. And probably the first big grown-up, and I know there's a reason I'm using the word grown-up because I also read a lot of YA, author was there and I met her and it was Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Okay. I had never read any of her books before. She was signing and handing out arcs of Match Me If You Can, which is one of her books in her Chicago Stars series, which deals with a football team out of Chicago. I had, mind you, all these I'm going to jokingly call them important books by authors in my bag that I'd picked up throughout the day. Because when you go to library conferences or when I used to go, you walk around with a duffel bag and you just pick up books and books and books. So I had all these really important books and I was taking the train home and um, I read Match Me If You Can. And I loved it. And I think at that moment, my own feelings about romance completely changed. I, one, realized I had been reading romance. I just pretended I wasn't. (laughs) And two, I really liked it, especially if it was well done, because we all have that preconceived notion of a, you know, kind of a trashy bodice ripper. Right. But like all types of genres, it runs the gambit. There are books that are clearly factory written, churning out hundreds of books, but then there's some really good stuff too. I think we have to get rid of our own stereotypes when it comes to romance and love stories. And that's where Susan Elizabeth Phillips came in for me. I loved Match Me If You Can. It's the story of a matchmaker named Annabelle who is in Chicago and she's kind of like starting a new career as a matchmaker. She bought her grandmother's old business. She is very... The best way to describe her is like eccentric and kind of fairy-like. She's not organized. She's trying to get this started. She really kind of comes off as flighty, but she's not. She's really actually quite intelligent. And her friend's family just happens to own the Chicago Stars football team and gives her a chance with like her friend's husband, his agent, and his name is Heath Champion, and she gets, like, one chance or, like, three chances to match him with his ideal wife because, like, he feels that's what's holding him back, not having a wife. And there's this competition between her and another, like, high-profile matchmaker, and there's these great friends and tangential relationships. Like, she gets to see her best friend, who I think is a children's book illustrator who ended up with this football player. And then the friend's sister is, like, married to the coach of this team. And you can read all of their stories. She wrote all of them, too. 
But I really love that you have, like, these complex characters who aren't what they seem on the surface, and you as a reader know that they are going to end up in love forever. And it's nice slow burn. It got a little steamy. I'd say it was borderline R, probably solid R now that I think about it. <laughs> it didn't get into the um, beyond that. But, you know, it's it's kind of nice because it was that slow burn. They weren't... They, it felt natural to a relationship and how it would develop. And I really like that she writes smart women characters and these kind of down-on-their-luck strong men who find each other and end up kind of getting to be their true selves. It's a great series. I forget what the first book in the series is called, but they're related, so you don't have to read them in order, which mm-hmm. is always nice. Like, the characters pop up, and I guess if you don't want to be spoiled with who's going to end up with who, but you can figure that out by reading the jacket cover. Yeah. But for, So for me, Susan Elizabeth Phillips, especially if you're looking... I think she's a great gateway author. She has some standalone novels as well. She has a couple other series about other athletes. But again, her titles are older in publication date, but I think they're still kind of fun to read. You read her too, though. I did, yeah. In high school, I read some of that series, Yeah, and yeah, I I remember loving it and being like, this is what it's like to be an adult. (laughs) This is what relationships look like. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to meet a football player. (laughs) I did not think that. I didn't either, but you read these books and they make it seem so easy just to fall in the arms of... Yeah. Of an athlete. An athlete. One other thing that I was going to point out, I know you have other stuff to talk about too, is I I did mention that I'm reading a lot of young adult. I think this is a great place to look for romance because they're a little bit different in, it's kind of dealing with that first love, those first relationships. And sometimes they can feel to an adult reader as immature or even kind of like, I I joked with one of the other librarians here, like when you read an adult book that's written for grownups and then a YA book, you just start screaming at the YA book, talk to each other, like just communicate Mm because they... You know, they jokingly, well, they don't have their full frontal lobes developed, so they don't know all this stuff yet. But I think a lot of great first romance, first love stories can be found in YA. And one of my favorite authors is Miranda Kennelly. She writes, they actually have to do with sports, but there's a great connected series that takes place in this... In Franklin, Tennessee, I want to say the Thousand Oaks School, but this it's kind of a related series. And her first book is called Catching Jordan, which is about a young woman in high school who's excited to be the starting quarterback for her high school football team. And they've all accepted her. Her dad plays for the Tennessee Titans. It's like, yeah, Jordan's the quarterback. And then, of course, a new kid comes in, and he was a starting quarterback at his school. And sparks fly. What I love about her books are that they just have these characters just on the verge of adulthood in these first or second relationships, and they deal with those feelings so well. They're very honest when it comes to talks of sex and sexuality, which I don't want to say is unusual in a YA book, but it feels so refreshingly real. It's not just like, oh yeah, I want to do this, or oh my god, consequences. It's a nice realistic view of the decisions older teens might be making. Mm The one I'd actually recommend to adult readers is called Breathe, Annie Breathe. It's about a young woman who is training for a marathon in honor and remembrance of her dead boyfriend. And he was an athlete and she wasn't. And when he passes, she's just starting college. And she decides to honor his memory by training for this marathon that he was going to run. And she works with this trainer and she's working through grief. And of course, at the heart of it all is her kind of learning to love again. And it's very sweet, and I think adults 
would relate to this because, again, she's a little bit older than your typical YA protagonist, but also, like, dealing with grief and working out your own demons, but also giving love kind of a second chance. Nice. I loved it. (laughs) Another series that I started reading, it also has to do with a professional sports team in Denver. (laughs) And it's the Playbook series by Alexa Martin. It features the Denver Mustangs football team, and I once again had to look up what Denver's real professional football team is. You did not have it to look. It is the Broncos. I am aware of the Denver Broncos. I just forgot. And they gave me the hint with Mustangs, Denver Mustangs. But the first book is called Intercepted. It came out in 2018. It's about a woman named Marley Harper, who is a web designer, and Gavin Pope who is the former Chicago Bears quarterback that was traded to the Mustangs. And I don't know why the Chicago Bears get to exist in this world. They also exist in the Chicago Stars world by Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Interesting. So maybe they're connected. (laughs) So the book opens with Marley attending the weekly meeting of the Lady Mustangs, a charitable organization made up of a group of wives of Denver Mustang players. Marley is actually the only girlfriend in the group, and she's only allowed to be part of the Lady Mustangs because her and her boyfriend Chris have been together for the past 10 years or so since high school. But he has yet to put a ring on her finger, something the president of the Lady Mustangs, Courtney, loves to point out. But after the ladies are done discussing business, conversation turns to gossip, and Marley finds out that the Mustangs are bringing in a new quarterback, by the name of Gavin Pope. And Marley internally freaks out because she had a one-night stand with Gavin years ago, and even though it was technically while she and Chris were on a break, Marley has never told a soul. So Marley heads home and bakes a cake for Chris, knowing that he's going to be upset about a new quarterback coming in because Chris is a receiver, and so apparently he has a relationship with the quarterback. (laughs) So Chris storms into the house, and proceeds to throw his workout bag across the kitchen, which knocks Marley's cake straight onto the floor. This isn't a big plot point or anything, but it just shocked me. And he doesn't take the time to apologize. Instead, he yells at Marley for cleaning up the mess he just made instead of paying attention to him in his tantrum. So Chris is a huge jerk. We see this right off the bat. Marley soothes Chris's ego, and Chris informs her of his plan to have some of his teammates over the following week, including Gavin Pope, who Chris resents being there but wants to butter up. So at the dinner, Marley doesn't think Gavin remembers her but is proven wrong when he secretly hands her her grandmother's necklace that she lost at his apartment four years ago. Not a word, just says, I think you forgot this. Hands it to her, walks away. A few days later, Marley's checking her email when she realizes that the computer is signed in to Chris's email. Before she logs out, a subject line catches her eye. It reads, Miss you already. Marley opens it to read the first of many emails from many different women, many of which include new photographs. No. So Marley begins to pack her things, and as she's pulling the last suitcase down the stairs, Chris walks in, followed by Gavin, who is there to go over football plays. (laughs) 
Unsurprisingly, Chris is a total jerk to Marley and even forbids her from taking her car to her parents' house because it was a car that he had bought her as a gift. And Gavin speaks up and offers to give Marley a ride in his truck. So he rescues her, and as they spend more time together, it's apparent that they're still attracted to one another. But Marley is unwilling to date another football player after being betrayed so horribly by Chris. And things go on from there. And what I liked about this book is Marley is relatively funny. The author does this thing where Marley has some thoughts that are hashtag thoughts, which works sometimes and other times didn't. Sometimes it was very funny and I laughed. Other times it was like, I don't know if this device is getting old, but Marley was likable. Gavin was likable. Chris was a huge jerk. It was all right. I am more excited for the second book in the series, Fumbled, because that is about a single mother named Poppy Patterson who moved across the country at 16. And after years of hard work, she's built up a new life. She works at a nightclub, and one night she runs into T.K. Moore, the starting wide receiver for the Denver Mustangs, and they recognize one another because it turns out T.K. Moore broke Poppy's heart in high school, and then they take it from there. And then there's, I think, two more books in the series. I happened to catch a glimpse of the synopsis of the last one called Snapped, and I was really intrigued. It's about this woman named Elliot Reed, who is, she's having a rough year, but she's landed her dream job as the strategic communications manager for the Denver Mustangs. So things are looking up, or at least they were until Quentin Howard Jr. decides to use the field as his stage when he becomes the first player to take a knee during the national anthem. So I thought that was a very interesting setup. So I'm excited to keep reading. Well, if we want to go away from sports, let's go to the entirely realistic world of normal women dating movie stars. Did you read the book I'm going to talk about next? Spoiler alert. Yes. Okay. So Olivia Dade, and I don't know how new she is. I feel like she has other books, but the first one that came on my radar was called Spoiler Alert. And there are two reasons I picked this book up. It was about a plus-size heroine, and it was kind of in a list of people where plus-size was just a fact. It wasn't like a flaw or something they were fixing. Mm -hmm. It was just plus-size heroines. And she writes fan fiction, and it's her writing fan fiction and having relationships online with these people, and she kind of is ready to, for lack of a better word, come out as I am this person at a convention. And she's also going to come out in her cosplay. She's entering a contest as this character from a fantasy series about the Greek or Roman gods, and I should know this, but I don't. It's a la, in the lines of... Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, thank you. And she's really getting close online with this guy who writes fan fiction, and he's really into her. And then you find out that the guy that writing is actually the like lead actor of the show. And when she kind of outs herself at this convention, people make fun of her for being plus sized. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I would date her. So he has the secret that he's this friend that she writes fan fiction with, and she doesn't know. And she's really conflicted because she's like, I like this actor guy, but I really want to meet this online writer. And that is the biggest conflict in this entire book. That (laughs) he doesn't tell her that he's the fan fiction writer. And it really doesn't... Like, it's an adult conflict. Like, like I imagine you didn't tell me, but it isn't like... 
I'm never speaking to you again. But I just really loved, in, in the book, you get to read some of their fan fiction and their online discourse. And it is kind of drama free in that they're adults about things and they have issues that adults have and they end up being together. But it was just kind of refreshing to read this book where the biggest stakes in their relationship was like, I'm an actor and you're a normal person and that doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. And there was some family drama and stuff too, but I remember just feeling like, again, I must have been reading a lot of YA where it's like, oh my God, they looked at me the wrong way and I can't speak to them for seven weeks. It felt really adult. They meet her parents, yes, right? and that's an issue. It's an issue and I think there's some miscommunication. Yes. It was drama that they resolved in a weird public way, but it was still... See, at that point, after the visiting the parents, what's the main woman's name? I didn't write her name down, which is really funny. <laughs> I said a plus-size woman. We don't know her name. She's amazing, and everyone should want to be her. Because she, like, studies soil. She's a scientist. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. The setup for this book, the plus-size main character, I was so into it, but I got mad at her after the thing with her parents, and I didn't finish the book. Oh, her name is April, and he's Marcus. I don't remember exactly what happened with her parents, and I remember it it was horrible, but it was kind of like family trauma and like them really making her feel not good enough and like almost treating him like like you're just gonna leave her because she's not beautiful yeah yeah they and were not nice he was he was very much in support of her but she kind of like went into her shell yes like it took her so long to come out and then she kind of went back in it felt very adult in that i know this sounds weird like yes it happened and yes it kind of tore them apart for a little bit but they both realized they were better together and it was they could just ignore these people for the rest of your life yeah and that's what I liked. And there is another book, All the Feels, which is his co-star. And again, a little bit of a Zaftig bodyguard who has to watch him. I love the cover of the third book in the series because it's like they stole me and my husband's hair. <laughs> it's called Shipwrecked. I have blonde, curly hair, and he's kind of got long, dark hair and a beard. But I laugh Absolutely. because yeah. <laughs> like, look, they stole my life. They didn't steal my life. There are like actors who are beautiful and famous. But clearly there's a little bit of self-insertion there when you read books like this. And I know if you, like me, enjoy a good plus-size narrator, I think it gives an interesting twist when it's not conventional accepted beauty because there are these great authors writing books where it's just part of who they are. Mm-hmm. And Julie Murphy wrote a great one called If the Shoe Fits, which is a modern telling of Cinderella on a reality TV show and it's just kind of clever and fun and I was actually given that book because I said I liked Olivia Dade so it kind of came to me as a recommendation and I loved it and then I know one we both read was One to Watch by I didn't, I didn't oh you didn't read, read it that okay. one I want to <laughs> I have the arc so I'll give it to you nice. by Kate Stamen London Julie Murphy's book is very Cinderella-esque and light and fluffy and you can read it and it'll warm your heart but Kate Stamen London's is a plus-size fashion blogger who finds herself on a... She's blogging about this show and like is literally like, oh my God, why don't they ever have fat people? And then she gets cast. 
And it's a little bit darker because it does kind of look at the, like, there's people who are on the show to pretty much tell her to lose weight. She's meeting a couple men who she actually does make connections with. There is a plus-size man on the show who pretty much comes out as this horrible person. Like, he's like, I deserve better than you. Like, he was only on it to, like, try to angle to get another season. Interesting. It was weird. Like, I remember being, like, horrified at that. It handles some issues with asexuality and transgender characters really well. And it kind of has the blog slash internet slash the bachelorette type community. It raises really good questions about it that I don't think everyone asks. Mm -hmm. So those were kind of, like I said, they're kind of in the same vein of, and I know there's other great authors writing different types of romance, because clearly we can't talk about everything. Right. Today has been a weird focus on sports. Sports. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not on purpose. No. So, yeah, and then I did try to think outside my own reading bubble of white women falling for men, and it it makes me laugh. There's a lot of books right now that, I don't know if it's just the time we're living in or the fact that it feels like everything's been written, have, like, those fan fiction either roots, thinking of, is it Allie Haywood books, or even Anna Todd, is that the right author, for, like, After? Oh, something like that. Yeah, and I don't want to say, like, these books are great because of that, but because we're focusing on more on the relationship versus the world building of the f- original sources, one, it's either based on fan fiction or the character writes fan fiction, is And They Lived by Stephen Salvatores. They wrote this book, and it's a college freshman in a writing class who wants to be an animator and is obsessed with Disney and kind of like an actor who comes in. And I can't find any proof, but I feel like in the book there is a either the one writes fan fiction or like they're in a fandom community. It might just be Disney fandoms. Mm-hmm. But that's a gay romance in YA that I really I've checked out twice and I just really want to read. Oh nice. Yeah. One thing we could talk quickly about if you're interested in is romance tropes you like and dislike. Yes, let's do it. Okay, because I'm curious. Okay. I dislike love triangles. I dislike bad boys who are bad for no purpose. Okay. I, hmm. Well, maybe I should focus on what I like, because nothing springs to mind for a dislike. Yeah. I like forbidden romance. I like friends to lovers. Oh, that's what I don't like. You don't like friends to lovers? (laughs) Nope. Enemies to lovers. Oh, enemies to lovers is good, too. No, I love a good slow burn. And I want the person, like, if they're, like, best friends, I'm going to jokingly call it the, like... 80s movies like how I wanted Pretty in Pink to end where like there's this slow burn best friend and then she gets like jilted by the person she thinks she loves and realizes the right person was here all along like that Taylor Swift song Uh, any Taylor Swift song yeah anyone well here's one that I don't like and it's probably really niche I don't like when it's a forced paranormal romance I don't want it to be like I fell in love with him and he was a panther shapeshifter and I don't know how I'm going to be accepted by his tribe it's like uh, that feels forced like don't panther wear people keep to themselves I need a lot of world building yeah. in a paranormal romance yes I don't like books where they have a scene that can be interpreted as domestic violence that they go but they love each other because that's just oh hate it i do not like that either Eh, except i've been known to read some pretty trashy stuff (laughs) but i'm thinking of this book and i should have looked up the title and it was one of those that i read because i I just had to see how ridiculous it was and it was like he was a dragon that could transform into a human 
And, like, he ends up really hurting her. And it was like, oh, we had to test her love for you. Yikes. And I was like, that's abuse. Like, no, that's not a test. The dragon family is actually horrible. Like, how is this love? I like it when, though, that there is, like, showing growth. And not, like, necessarily abusive, but... And maybe this is more in YA where you have, like, a controlling relationship and one or both parties realize, he's like, wait, this wasn't healthy. Let's try to make it healthy. Mm-hmm. I love smart lady books. The, like, the super smart. Like, she's a physicist and then falls in love with a football player. <laughs> That's the book I want to read. I like books, and I don't know if this is a trope or just a device. Like, I love when there's, and we both talked about series, where you don't have to read it in order, but characters pop up. Yeah, I like that too. And I should say that the Hellion's Angels is like that, where you don't have to read them in order. You can read one and and be done or whatever. Yeah, there's overlapping characters, but there's... Their plots aren't intertwined that, like, it's spoiler. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of, like, Regency romance. I did listen to an audiobook, actually. It was called The... Beast of Bezik, and that I actually really did like. Okay. And based on the title, you might guess that it is about a lord who was disfigured in the war, perhaps? Whatever war. A very smart woman comes and stays with him. So the, the Beauty, and the, Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So that is one I liked, and it was a, it was a very good audiobook. But I would almost argue that's fairy tale retelling, and I love fairy tale retelling. Yeah. That's like, give me a modern Sleeping Beauty, or you know, they have a whole series where they've twisted some of the Disney fairy tales, you know, and I adore them. And this isn't a part of the Twisted series, but there's actually a Little Mermaid book that's told from the point of view of Prince Eric, and I want to read it so bad because that's the book. I didn't know I needed. (laughs) Let us know what romances you're reading because one of the things we talked about before we recorded was romance and love stories is such a big genre. We know we didn't hit everything and I'm sure we offended half of our listeners so I'm sorry but what are you reading? What are your favorite tropes or devices? What tropes make you crazy and what tropes can't you get enough of? And if you read fan fiction, come talk to us too. (laughs) I can't say... Okay, that's what said. Yes, Yes. please. (laughs) We're outing ourselves. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Beyond the Desk with Desiree and Katie. We hope you enjoyed our recommendations for romance books. You can find the book titles we discussed in the show notes. Head to westlslibrary.org for more information. We hope you'll join us next month when Sarah talks with author Liam Callanan about his new book. That's all for this episode. See you next time.